0: Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and it's been too long, but we're getting Matt McChesney, our guy, back on the podcast. You guys know him from his time with the Buffs, from his time in the NFL, uh, from being on the sideline for half of the CU games, for coaching all sorts of different current Buffs and former Buffs and current NFL guys. Ooh, let's start with this. Uh, Quinn Bailey. Got into uh, the the Broncos lineup after a couple injuries this week. You work with him, right? Right, Matt.
1: I sure do. I work with Quinn a ton, actually. Quinn is a mainstay at six zero, and it's just a you know another guy that walked in and has developed into one hell of a football player. And look, it's not all me, but my dash of madness is all over the place. And he's just another one that's uh, that's you know proud dungeon family and played well yesterday and got himself a game ball.
0: You know, you obviously have a bunch of guys who've played at all levels of football, but, but to see a guy like Ken get that chance and play well, like how do how does that feel just to be in your shoes and watch that happen?
1: It's awesome. I mean, it's validation uh, that what we're doing is right. It's affirmation that the work put in is, is working. Um, you know, the only way you can really, get payoff in my situation I don't get a game day so you know I have to just kind of control my emotions on on you know Thursday Friday Saturday and Sunday as I've got guys literally all over the state playing for state titles and college guys playing against each other all weekend for rivalry games and you know pros balling out on Sunday and Mondays and it's uh it's pretty damn cool man when you when you're looking around you know, all over the weekend and we, I was out in, in Nebraska at my aunt's for Thanksgiving and, you know, the, the Iowa-Nebraska game's on and every other play, someone's like, hey, isn't that your guy? And then you turn on the Colorado game and they're like, hey, don't you work with these guys too? And then you're watching pro games and they're like, hey, look, that's your guy. This is your guy. And it, it's just, it really validates what we do at 6-0. And from a developmental standpoint, bro, I don't think you're going to find a better place. That's what we do.
0: I agree. I've obviously been lucky enough to w- to watch it all happen up close in person. And it is really cool. And your fingerprint – We've got to
1: get you down to watch like I, an actual session.
0: It's been too long. I haven't been yeah. down there in – it might have been a year, honestly. I don't know. Sometime soon, let's make it happen.
1: We but need to um, get you down and set you up and watch, have you watch uh, these guys grind. We're back to the off season. It started this morning at 5 a.m.
0: That's early. That's early. Hey, I was up at Buffs practice early this morning, basketball. And uh I don't know. I'll I'll get used to it, but I don't get how athletes just 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 wake up that early all the time.
1: I spring out of bed at 4:15, 420 every morning with no alarm clock.
0: Jesus. I just yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, there's there's a bunch of stuff that we've got to get to. I mean, before we get into Darren Cheverini and everything that that conversation entails and what's to come and all that, you know, we haven't had a chance to talk in almost a month. And a lot has happened with this Buffs football team since then. You know, there was the the first half of that UCLA game where Colorado looks like they still have things figured out, like they're on pace for an upset. Um, And then the second half happens and these next couple of games, they just uh, don't, don't really get anything going. I guess they still beat Washington regardless, but I mean, just, just in broad terms, this last month or so, how, how does that change your perspective of where this football program is?
1: Uh, I was encouraged. Um, I like how hard they played against UCLA. I like the Oregon State win. That's a good football team that they beat. I like the maturity in beating Washington. And even though they didn't play necessarily well and off, you know, Washington outgained them. They made the plays when they needed to make them, uh, and then I thought they played hard against Utah. But you know, there's a their offense was atrocious this year, and it's something that they couldn't overcome, regardless of how hard or well they played. Um, and what happened had to happen. So yeah. I, uh, I'm encouraged. I think that they have a lot of youth that they can build around. I also think that they need to hammer the transfer portal. And, you know, do everything humanly possible to put a winning product on the field because not just me, but people are getting fed up.
0: They are. And, and they're getting vocal, too. And
1: know? they're 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 losing. It's not going to be as it's not going to be like just something fun to do anymore. COVID is, you know, controlled, People are going to games. It's not going to be like, hey, we can go back to Folsom now. It's going to be like, hey, if they're not any good. Why would I spend money to go watch them?
0: Yep absolutely um so let's let's just talk about Darren Cheverini um here's here's my take on the situation you know he's been here for 6 years i think 4 of those years 5 of those years he was offensive coordinator co-offensive coordinator i think for the most part the, he was kind of lackluster at best you know there were moments with that that team that started 5 and 0 where you said okay this offense has something when they lost Visca, there was really no no answer and the rest of the way through, there just hasn't been any sort of pop. Now, at the same time, this season, he did have to deal with a, a freshman quarterback, um, a bad offensive line, um, which, again, kind of falls on him because he is in charge of that offense. Um, yep. and, you know, you, you finish second to last in the entire country in yards per game. Obviously, you are going to get fired and you deserve to get fired. Um, and I, this was absolutely the right decision, right? There's really no conversation.
1: No, I mean, he he knows it. I spoke to Shiv this morning and just thanked him for, you know, always being there and evaluating guys hard and recruiting and everything he did. I mean, he he came here and he was responsible for the rise. And he remember, he was part of a 10-win team that won the division and looked like they were on the up and up. Uh, and then they hit three or four straight years of five and seven, and then a four and eight year with COVID sandwiched in between. So it ended sour um, and that's terrible, but it, he's a great buff. And I think that Shiv is going to be successful wherever he ends up. Um, When we, when we sit here and talk about like fault and whatnot, about offensive coordinating and, and play calling and then execution, every, it's all hand in hand, you know what I'm saying? Like play calling, execution, the ability to make the right play call at the right time. It's all, you know, hand in hand with confidence and maturity and the character of your offense and really the mindset of your offense. I don't think that CU really ever established what they were. Like if you look at air force, air force against UNLV the other night, didn't throw the ball once they had like 500 yards rushing. That's who they are. So I don't really care if CU has to be one dimensional to win games. I think they need to identify that the only way that they can be ultimately successful right now and moving forward and something that they can establish is the new mindset, the new offensive coordinator, old line coach, and everybody needs to bring in, which is physicality first, which is centered around proper mental and physical development, starting with the mental development first. Not and look, I I talk and coach a lot of these guys. And you would be amazed on how football remedial the majority of them are when it comes to articulation, communicating on the field, communicating under pressure, communicating in noise situations, the ability to change calls and slide protections and squeeze gaps and all this other shit that is that separates good offenses and leaders and guys who can actually go out there and make decisions under fire and guys who can maybe do it in the film room and just kind of like have a understanding, but they're just a cog. They're just filling a role. So I I think that the new offensive coordinator, whoever that is and the new offensive line coach, whomever that is, they have got to start with the mental and then the physical development of this football team and they have got to hang their hat on winning in the trench, and that requires them to run the ball at nauseum, like 80% of the time out of heavy run formations with a fullback on the field. I don't really care what defense you have on the field, bro, in college. If you line up and execute correctly, Henry, you're going to move people off the rock, bro. That's It's not the NFL. It is not pro football. You're going to move people if you do it right.
0: And I think that – when you look across the country at who the offensive coordinators are, a lot of them have their background in the passing game. A lot of them think that what they need to do is, I mean, maybe it's figure out when to run and when to pass, but on top of that, it's basically what to do when you pass and what concepts to run when you pass. And I don't think that that same level of thought is necessarily put into the running game as much as it should be. And I think that that, might have been the biggest problem with this offense this season is just the thought they didn't put thought into how you run the ball well
1: i agree like they there was we talked about this at at multiple times during the season what is really their are they a gap scheme and power football are they are they spread and just straight zone is everything an rpo like we don't know and if we if we can't figure it out looking and we actually know what we're talking about it's going to be difficult for me to buy into any of the guys actually knowing what they're talking about. And then when you hear it from them, yeah. look, now that Shiv and Rod are gone and we can spill beans, like at the SC game, okay, when, we're, when I'm standing on the sideline with Vickers and in the middle of the game, the guys are walking up to me, asking me for my coaching advice. And the offensive line coach is 10 feet away. And I'm sitting there like, hey, this is how you do these steps, and this we're looking for this and stop oversetting and things of that nature. That's not because they don't know. It's because it they obviously the guys don't know. They're curious, they want to learn. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm talking about with the mental development here. Mm-hmm. They, I think they have an opportunity to really look at themselves and say, okay, if everybody else is spread, score as many points as you can. If you give up 30, you give up 30. But if you score 31, we win. And like. Mm-hmm. You know, that that game's going to put us in shootouts and it's going to make it so we win eight or nine games, which I would take, but it may not be like the end-all, be-all, yada, yada, yada. You can come up with all these excuses on why not to do it or to do it. I look at it like if they can establish a physical mindset and control time of possession and, like, lean on the fact that they're big and physical, they will win football games, very similar to what we saw during COVID. So, yeah. I I don't understand why Shiv didn't do it more, knowing he had to. And then with all these young players, the way to make young players good and confident is to simplify and get physical, play simple defensive scheme. Like they did get physical fly around, hit people. It works for the defense. They really like, you can't sit here and tell me that they didn't show vast improvement. They did way better. Totally. And, 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 that, that can rule. happen the same way with the offense too, Henry. I truly believe so. For sure.
0: And it seems like fans, fans are always asking for adjustments. And when things don't change in the second half, they say, Oh, where was the adjustment? Where's the adjustment? But I think that what those adjustments actually look like can get lost on people. I think that it's easy to see that nothing's changing, but knowing what they are is a little more complicated. And when people come up to you during the game and say, we're getting beat around the edge in this way. Not, not,
1: not people, the starting left tackle <laughs> and the starting right guard. Exactly. And like, and like the, the the Brady Russell's walking up talking about like they're off the double team, should I fit outside or inside on the scissors? And like, I'm trying to help. And then I'm getting like, hey, you can't do that on the sideline. That's You can't do that. That's the no-no. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to not tell him. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But that's
0: what adjustments are. And, and that's what I mean, a big picture like, oh, they should run the ball outside more. And sure, there's some of that, too. But it's those little details. And when you don't have anybody on the staff to go to to ask those sorts of questions, when when you're a player and realize that adjustments need to be made and you know exactly what little thing needs to be changed, you just don't know how. That is one of the, the many, many pieces that was missing this season. And it goes into a bigger thing. You know, we both have different perspectives on, on this offensive line. You right. work with a bunch of them. I get interviews with some of them. But, but one of the things that you hear is the difference after William Blahos came in for Mitch Rodriguez, or one of the differences, there were quite a few differences, but, but one of them was that he explained why they were doing things. Yes, And it wasn't just go do this, go do this, go do this sometimes I don't even think that was happening, but well, and it was criticism about what they
1: learned before. Yes. It wasn't like, it wasn't, Hey, this is what we're going to institute this week. Remember when cap taught you how to do step. It was, this is what we're going to teach this week. That guy was here for He doesn't know shit. Do it my way. Mm -hmm. And that that's a lie. That's not true. For the simple fact that one, one of the best things about, being a player is when you have all these different coaches is taking something different from each individual Mm -hmm. to perfect your own game and make it as good as you can. So I, I, I agree with you, bro, that they've got a ton of potential and that they had a ton of potential this year. I, I, I do think that we both think that they underachieved and weren't very good with there's, there's no backing that up. There's no like, no, they did a really good job. No, they were terrible. They beat Um, Vegas. Vegas said three and a half and they got four. But yeah, yeah the that is true, but at the same time, <laughs> how hard they played and the exuberance they showed, even with the coaching staff being as I mean, let's let's not sit here and pull punches. They knew he was gonna get fired. Yeah, they actually. know that they know that Carl isn't the most enthusiastic dude in the world, like they gotta bring their own juice. So if you're not gonna get that side from the staff. Hopefully, they can continue to mature and grow into that on the field. I mean, look, man, I, I, uh, I'd i like to think that this is going to, like, improve. But I, I've taken this bait so many times that I, I'm, like, I'm, at, I'm, I'm seriously at the first point in my life with CU where they got to show me.
0: Yeah. It, it's like, per- they got to
1: show me this spring. They got to show me this summer. And they need to go out next fall. And fucking show me, bro. I'm tired of supporting just because the colors are the same.
0: Yeah, I, it makes sense. Let's let's just dig into Carl Durrell next. I mean, I don't think you can look at this season and say he was successful. I think the question is just how unsuccessful was he? You know, how much blame do you I see on Mitch Rodrigue and Darren Cheverini and the freshman quarterback, and the injuries, and having a bunch of the starting defense missing at the end—it's really tough, I think. But I'm curious, curious how much you put the blame on him. At the end of the day, I mean, you kind of have to put all of it on him. He's that coach. I
1: mean, all of it. Yeah, he's the head coach. He has to take the blame. Uh, I do think that they achieved some of the goals they set defensively. At least they wanted to improve from 31 points a game or 32 points a game. What they end up giving up, like 23.
0: I think it was a little more than that.
1: Twenty-four, but they were like third or fourth in the conference after being dead last. So that that's pretty good. They made improvements there. The team seemed like they got better as the season went on. That's not saying much concerning how bad they were, but they did get better. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'm disappointed, and look, I, I'm I'm a day or two away from sitting down with this man and having an interview for the old line coaching job. So yeah, I'm you know this is what it is. I I feel like Carl. Coach Durrell has got to be more assertive next year when he doesn't like the way something's going, not just saying it on the headset, but the people can see you. So like they, the base, the players, it's not necessarily a bad thing if they see you chewing somebody's ass every now and then, or being, you know, enthusiastic, even if it's fake enthusiasm, I don't give a shit, being enthusiastic about the game or a score or, a turnover or a big hit or, you know, yelling, chewing some ref out, even if the call's bad or shit getting kicked out of the game. I mean, showing the kind of emotion you wouldn't expect from him. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like when the coaches completely cut loose and they play with a sense of urgency, but nothing to lose at the same time, I feel like things will turn. They are so tense and tight on top of being young and terrible and that's not a good mix bro <laughs> like usually when you're when you're tense and tight you're like you're just not any good and that's why you're tense they have a ton of talent and they're so young that's usually when it's flipped and you're just playing loose and stupid and you're like hey fuck it we're gonna throw caution to the wind we can't even get loose to throw the ball half the time yep. so that tells me that they are overthinking everything So simplification. Hang your hat on physicality and then true. This offseason, Henry has got to be a coming to Jesus offseason with Colorado Buffaloes. It does. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to my own time there, but in 2000, we were three and eight. And we lost seven of seven of our eight games were lost by one score. And we, you know, I thought we were a really, really good football team that just underperformed terribly. The yeah. next year, with the same exact team, we won the conference. So the offseason, though, and spring ball was the most ruthless shit I've ever done in my life. The winter conditioning, I mean, winter conditioning, the 12 dirty dozens that we had, you know, we had those were, they were big 12s back in the day. They were called dirty dozens. We had 12 5 a.m. workouts that were the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Team building, fist fights. I mean, we, it was crazy. You had teams and stations and agility drills. It was nuts. And, At the end of it, you have what was called perfect 10 or perfect 12s. And I mimic it down at at 6-0, and we run perfect 10s all the time. It's at the end of the workout. Everybody's dog tired. Everyone's got to leave and get to class and shit. And it's the coaches mark off 20 yards, 30 yards, and 40 yards. And you get up by your class, and you got to run full fucking speed from start to finish, and everyone's got to finish, and everyone's got to do it. Or Coach Wilson – Verbatim is sitting there with a white or yellow challenge flag, and somebody'll loaf through the line. He'll throw the flag, and he'll be like, "McChesney's loafing back on the fucking line." <laughs> <laughs> so, so like then everyone's there, like, and it, it forces accountability, and it calls out softies who can't do it, and they walk. We run. We ran so many cut kids that year that played significantly in in 2000 didn't even see the field in 2001 or quit. And it, it said the tone for spring ball and it limited injuries the next year. And I feel like there's like this politically correct push where I don't know if you can have a ruthless off season like you used to have. And I feel like, bro, there needs to be an extremely real, like realistic, hardcore off dot priest fucking offseason in Boulder, Colorado this year to separate the prima donnas that just want to look like college football players from the actual college football players in the room.
0: I think that's a good point. And I think, I think you're totally right. And as for like the political correctness, I, st- I think there's a way to do it, but you really do have to think things through in a much different way than you yeah, had. Just
1: to don't, do. don't yell motherfucker at everybody 50 times and everything. will Exactly.
0: Provide. You just have to like, motherfucker <laughs> has to be like under 10. <laughs> like, yeah. you just have you're just like, oh, you mother. <laughs> just run through the cup. <laughs> exactly. There's ways to do it, but it is something that you have to think about more. And th- but that is what you need, right? The tough part I is. I truly th- believe so. Yes. Part of me honestly thinks it might be the coaches that need to be the- be the ones running. Like well, it almost needs is to be the thing players is like, out there with the whistles saying, "No, you guys got to
1: go." How long have we been talking about CU strength and conditioning? And the number one thing we talk about is just, "Hey, let's just stay healthy." fuck all that let's let's (laughs) turn them into literal like monsters chewing glass we were so (laughs) the entire time i was at cu i was so tired of beating up on my buddies because everybody was so tight and tense all the time just pissed off at each other because we went after each other so hard in practice and in workouts and i was so motivated to prove my coaches wrong who used to walk up to me on the daily and be like that was bullshit. You got lucky. That wasn't <laughs> any good. You didn't finish that rep full speed. They're constantly testing you rather than like this. I'm not saying it's been like this and it's it's like this all the time, but I can't I can't sit here and say it's not also this like constant affirmation and backpacking, like backpacking for really subpar average play and like shitty seasons and no bull games and five and like. I, I love Nate Landman and Carson Wells and shit, but bro, they I mean, with the exception of the COVID year, did they ever make a bowl game? No, 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 can you fucking believe that? It's that's like just, just wrong. think about two of the best defensive players I've seen in recent memory in CU history, Carson Wells and Nate Landman. And with the exception of the fucking COVID season, they didn't make a bowl game, dog. It's terrible. They didn't even make one. So, like, this is my point is maybe, maybe we need to, maybe we need to stop recruiting and start reforming again.
0: I, I, I wouldn't, I mean, something needs to change, right? Something needs to change. And that sounds like as good a thing as anything, especially when you think about that. It is kind of... I, I do think that they're trying as hard as they can to be physical and you watch them play and they are. as hard as anything, but sometimes you just need people who have a little bit more of that in them. Cause then they can push it up another level. I do think also, you know, it's, it's a dangerous game getting rid of the back padding, because you know, if, if you go through that, that three game losing streak, you lose every game by 22 points Ugh. and you just rip them apart and then nothing gets better. You're just ripping them apart for, for two straight months. And who knows what that does to a team. At the same time, though, maybe the team should be kind of ripped apart in that way. And people should be upset. And people should be miserable if you're finishing the season four and eight. Real quick, want to jump in and remind you guys, we love Brackenridge Brewery. Um, I'm really excited. Now that we've had a couple days without football season, I'm starting to realize how much more free time I have. That's like three fewer trips to Boulder minus like Saturdays too where it's Saturdays you're either watching the game and writing and doing all that stuff or just going up to Boulder and it's a full-on day full of work. But the point is I'm starting to kind of build a bit of a schedule and I'm going to be able to get to the DNVR bar much more often especially for this Wednesday uh, when the Buffs play Tennessee it's going to be a lot of fun we're going to have RK on that post game show and you know that we'll be drinking Breckenridge beers really is great stuff Um, I'm a big fan of the seltzers just nice simple they're like 100 calories each they taste good they have I think more alcohol than most of the beers do just what more could you ask for what more could you ask for? If you're into some of the other stuff, though, I really can't blame you because it's all good. Just make sure you check it out. Make sure you support them because they support us, and we appreciate you for doing that. Make sure you hit us up on social media when you do. We want to see what you've got. Um, also, DraftKings Sportsbook. I uh, I haven't made a bet in a couple days. You know, I actually didn't make any college football bets this weekend, I don't think. Oh, that's I made the CU bet against UCLA, which... I put, I put one unit on them to cover, I put half a unit on them to win, and so I hit the cover and got a unit back and lost the half unit, so I wound up up a half unit, so I can't complain. Just kind of been focused on some other things, but it's about time to get back into it, especially now that we're getting into real college basketball season. I think that there's some people who are super dialed in who can make money on these first couple weeks of college basketball um, just because they have a good feel for what's on the way. That's not me. Um, but now that we've had a chance to see some of these Pac-12 team plays, we've seen Oregon blow a bunch of games, but then still double up my Montana Grizzlies. Um, there's, there's a lot more information, and I'm about to jump into that. Uh, and, and, I mean, there's still time in the NFL season, too, and this week they have an awesome deal. It's the same deal they've had going for a while now, but if you... Bet $1 on any team to score in the NFL. You'll get $100 in free bets if they do. Um, it's basically free money, and you should take advantage. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Bet $1 on any team to score. Win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New Customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.
1: Well, think about it like this. There's two. There's, I'm going to use two different teams this year, okay? okay. I'm going to use Wisconsin, okay? okay? Wisconsin started off the season pretty hot. I know they lost to Penn State in the opener, but it was a really close defensive game. I think they won three or four after that in a row. And then they dropped three or four games two or three games in a row, got blown out by Notre Dame. I guarantee you after that Notre Dame game, there was a coming to Jesus by the the players in that room because they pride themselves on being tougher than everybody and physical. And they went on a run. And if they don't lose to Minnesota the other day, they're in the Big Ten title game. So there's, there's one team that, it was internally challenged by the coaches. I know that the coaches challenged them and they were real hard on him after that game. I know Jim Leonard Alvis witted really, really well. And that's why I brought them up on the good. On the bad <laughs> looking leonard, was, didn't you? I, I played against Jim uh, oh. in, in college and the pros. So okay. I thought you, cro- and,
0: you didn't cross over with him at the Jets for a minute.
1: It was the Jets, and we played together in New York. Jim's good dude. Okay. And and then look at North Carolina. North Carolina was ranked in the top ten. And they were back padded and given all this like shiny shit. And your uniforms are nice and you guys look good. And there's all these players on the field. And all teams had to do with them this year was beat the shit out of them up front and hit Sam Howell and they crumbled. And they didn't really have any real foundation when they were challenged by Mac my Mac Brown and Coach Cross, the defensive line coach down there. I remember talking to Coach Cross in the middle of the season, man, we got to find some dogs. We got to find some guys that actually want to be here, not just put on the uniform. Like the D line, the D-line coach at the Texas in the Texas uh video where he's on the bus after they lost to you look it up and listen to what he says. They lost to who they lose to was right before the Kansas game or is it open? They, They lost. No, they didn't lose to Oklahoma. They got beat by somebody they shouldn't have lost to Baylor, maybe. And he got on the bus and he motherfucked that group, bro. I felt like I was in a meeting room after we got embarrassed by somebody we shouldn't have lost to. And I was like, okay, and like the nation's freaking out. You can look it up and listen to it. I guarantee you, you'll love it. But a lot of people freaked out, and they were like, "Oh, this, there's no place for this anymore in the game," and blah. He had to apologize and shit. And I'm looking at it like that's the fucking way it's supposed to be like your your feelings in in this room don't outweigh and they're not more important than the outcome and the victory. Fuck your feelings. I want you to have like overcome it as a man and we'll feel together after we win. And and that's what this is about.
0: Yeah. And I think that you just need a balance, right? I mean,
1: Carl, you can't, you can't be all gung ho, but you also can't be like constantly like, Oh, you're so good. Timmy. (laughs) There's got, there's got to be more ass chewing than less in my opinion with college guys when they get to the league, then you can give them more trust with now you're a professional, but in the, in the college football, bro, if I'm the offensive line coach in Boulder, I am pushing the fucking limit on how much I can, I can meet with my guys on a fucking daily basis. And I'm not doing it in like this old vanilla way that they meet. I The first thing I'm doing is teaching them every goddamn thing I know about the defensive side of the ball by forcing them to go line up on defense and why we're doing this and why we're doing that, to give them a mental understanding of why we're going to go block them the certain way we are. And everything has got to be physical, and your walkthroughs have to be physical, your meeting room has to be physical, so that they don't know any other way.
0: That's the way it should be. You know, you look at the staff and I mean, Carl is not that way. I think no, that not. is very clear that he is not that type of coach. I do know that he dropped at least two MFs after uh, I think it was the Cal game. And there's probably some more out there, but again, that's, that's kind of the exception, not necessarily who he is. You've got Chris Wilson in there who <laughs> balances that out. <laughs> you yes. know, he balances that out. And I think that you just have to look through your staff and, and, this is where I expect Carl to kind of shine in, in that staff building, in the way that he puts these pieces together. Now, does he know the right balance in these sorts of things in terms of what sort of energy? Because I do think it's very different in college than pro. But but where do you need that? And I think coordinator, offensive line coach. I mean, that's probably number one. But
1: so then that's what I, so if we're gonna say that Chris Wilson, the defensive line coach, and the defensive coordinator, and I, I think he can do both. I don't know why he would give up his D, D line. A role. He does a really good job with that. He's been doing it his whole life. He he did both this year. I anticipate he will keep doing that. Sure. If anything, I, I wouldn't be surprised if DJ Bryant, who's his right hand, gets a little bit more involved if he stays around or doesn't get another job somewhere else mm-hmm. just to kind of let Coach Wilson be more of the defensive coordinator. But if you're looking at the offense, you don't have that that coach that's ultimately like super respected and feared at the same time. Yep. like I, I'm still so conditioned mentally to not let Coach Wilson down because I'm scared yeah. shitless of him. Still, <laughs> it's funny 20- for real. Like I, I, I remember playing and like well, even when I was in the NFL, chasing the ball, thinking about Coach Wilson yelling at me to chase the goddamn ball. There's nobody on offense that holds that kind of accountability.
0: Well, and and the idea was for it to be Mitch Rodriguez, right? Like he's that. He was supposed guy. to be
1: that guy. Yeah,
0: he's, he's the mean, tough, whatever. He just couldn't. But he pack was it a up. telephone
1: tough guy. He's not.
0: It was all fake. It it was. He didn't have anything to provide in terms of football. He just had the energy.
1: If all he and he, and his energy was fucked up too. True, all was he would do mean. is yell. <laughs> it was like just all he would do is <laughs> bitch at people and blow a whistle, whereas. Like the main thing that I would hear from Casey and Jake and and Cush and everybody, when they would come down to six zero and we'd work is you're sweating with us. You're pushing us. You're in the stance with us. You can actually like, you know, like you're as worn out at the end of this as we are like you're drenched in sweat, helping us where all he does is stand there. He can't even do the footwork. He doesn't even show us the proper way to skip pole. He doesn't show us where to hat place. Like if he can't show it, and all he can do is sit there and be like, "I blow his fucking whistle." That doesn't work. No, no. So, so like, it, it. I the the offensive line has got to find the balance between being a f- so scared of disappointing. And look, I'm going to say it right now: Casey Roddick, and needs to take over his motherfucking offensive line unit, and they have to, like he has got to have the best off season of his life. Mm-hmm. And he needs to be the bona fide leader of that group next year, to the point where people are scared to let him down. But he's got to—he's got to be the best player on the field at his position in order to to validate that. Because otherwise, he's just a—he's just a telephone tough guy, just like Mitch. And that's not Casey. So that's number one. Number two, the leader on the offensive line has got to be feared to the point where everybody knows that they can't let that man down. One of the five. Okay. And then the offensive line coach. Has got to be so respected in what he's taught these men that they know they don't necessarily need him anymore on game day. Does that make sense? The because, other six days of the week, the work that we have put in and the preparation we have put into this point, as the coach, I should be able to step back and simply ask and sim- simply answer your questions. When you walk off the field and he and they go, just like Casey and Jake and Brady walked up to me against SC and said, Hey, when we're sliding away, we're getting beat on our, across our face really bad. How do we stop it? And I, and my response was how wide are they? Well, they're right outside our shoulder yard, cut it down six inches. Don't overset. Don't drop your inside foot, use your hands and displace very similar. Like the, in the Utah game the other day, when they ran that TE game on Casey and Frank, Okay. And they got yeah, the sack.
0: I, I do remember that. That's Did how they were getting how, three
1: runners up the middle. Exactly. Did you see how Casey set and tried to like snap him off with his hands, and Frank caught him? So Frank is being taught. Like I, I only worked with Frank one time. He was hurt, and Frank is being taught by Mitch. So Frank's out there trying to catch this guy and only blocking the guy in front of him. And I remember talking to Casey last week. Like, look, they run a ton of games. You've got to snap the fucking three technique off if he's wide. And he's sitting there short setting and snapping the dude off, but they're on, they're on the same wavelength mentally, but they're not being taught the proper way to do it physically because no one's actually doing it. Vallejos is still just holding a whistle and standing there. Like they actively need someone to go stand with them and do the fucking drill work with them and teach them how to do it. And if they're given the tools like that, Henry, there's no fucking limit to how good they can be, bro. And it is not fucking rocket science. The difference between the the offensive lineman at Michigan State and the offensive lineman at fucking Colorado is this is the slimmest of slims in the fucking world, bro. There's no difference. It's how they're being taught. If cap, if Coach Cap was here and he'd have three years of physical development with that offensive line, they would be as good as Michigan State's offensive line is. I'm sold. For real, bro. That's the you way it works. Me. You convinced me. Uh, and, and I know, you want to know how I know this? Huh. It's not because I played. It's because I moved positions in the middle of my career in the National Football League. I had to teach myself how to develop into an offensive lineman. That's why I can teach it so well. That's why, like, I, I can teach the trench on offense and defense at the level I can. I had to teach myself with the tutelage of Bill Callahan, who I think is the best developmental offensive line coach in the fucking history of the NFL. I'm told. So I, <laughs> you so, got me. But my thing is, like, we talked about this yesterday, and I hate it. Mm-hmm. This Matt doesn't have fucking experience bullshit. I know. So let's talk about this then, bro. Like, why do you think, and I would agree with you if I worked at Best Buy. If okay. I worked at fucking Walgreens and I was like, hey, I want to go be the offensive line coach to see you, you'd be like, Talk, you don't have any experience. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, and I'd be like, Yeah, you're right. That's crazy. But that's not what's that's not what's happening. So I I just look, I'm not saying you're wrong. You're right. very rarely do you see guys going from the private sector to college football. But I also think that if they allow that to be like, let's say that I'm a finalist for that job. Mm-hmm. And the reason I don't get it is because I don't have the experience yet. I'm a better technician and I can develop them better. My scheme is better. My head is better. And we have the ability to teach in the meeting room at a higher level and a lock call Colorado recruiting alone. But I know fucking everybody everywhere, bro. Like I know every coach, I know all their tricks. I know the way that they recruit. I know what they say to the players when they walk in the room because they have to sell me every time they want to recruit one of my guys. Seems useful.
0: Here's You I, would think. We, we talked about this last night. But, again, it is rare. It is rare that you see somebody go from the private sector. You know, I, I told you this. I mean, you look at Darren Cheverini, and why was he the offensive coordinator at Colorado? Because he was a GA wherever, and then he was a whatever wherever, and then he was the special teams coordinator, and then the receiving yeah. coach, and then blah 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 blah. All of a sudden, you're you're in your hometown. That's just oh, there's an opening at offensive coordinator. Look, there's an easy answer on staff. Now you look at a guy like Mitch Rodriguez, and they say, ah, oh, you know what? Sure, he's coaching high school football. Sure, he doesn't have like the the college experience, and everybody flames him for it. And when it Falls apart, they they get the blame for saying, "How could you let this happen?" Now there is this weird gap, though, because obviously you have NFL experience and all that stuff. You're not Mitch Rodriguez. I think (laughs) you're welcome. Probably (laughs) the the best compliment I've given you. But you look at like Brian Hartline. Isn't he the receivers coach at Michigan? Is that Ohio State? Ohio State. That's right. But but. I'm not sure. I don't know that he worked his way into that position. I think he might. No, no. He he, no, he went Sanders. from a
1: wide receiver in the NFL to the to the wide receiver coach.
0: Exactly. You have <laughs> Deion Sanders who becomes the head coach of wherever Jackson State with no experience. Coach of
1: the fucking year this year.
0: You you do see it. It's just so rare that it, it makes it it makes it tough. And again, what it comes down to is the interview. And I mean, the truth is, I mean, what's their fear? Their fear is you haven't been inside a program before. What does that mean? You you haven't had like the day-to-day on the field, whatever, going to the meetings. Oh, you guys aren't going to class. I've got to bitch you out for not going to class. And just those sorts of things. And so it's, in their eyes, a bit of a gamble because you just don't know. If you're willing to gamble on Mitch effing road though, Take a, take a flyer. I'm right over here.
1: You know what I'm saying? Exactly. I say, and look, like I'm. I, I understand that there's a long line of buffs that have come back and not been successful as coaches. I get it. I know that I was here the whole time watching it happen. Yep. Like I've if anything, I have learned so much from being denied the job. I mean, when I when I got done playing, I went back to school and got my degree and I went an interview with Embry and he didn't even call me back. Really? Yeah. He didn't even call me back. And then I started my own business started six zero. I was like, okay, you don't want to give me the opportunity. I'll go do it by myself and show you what I'm talking about. And then you were offered the assistant. And then I went up. Yeah. And then coach Mack got the job and I went up and they wanted to bring me on as an assistant strength coach.
0: But your business was a better option
1: my bit my business turned out to be a better option because at that time the legislator or the legislation in colorado was still on the one-year contract shit yep so he couldn't even ex- he, like if he would have offered me a four-year contract i would have taken it in a heartbeat because i would have been able to like figure out a way to get out of my business at that point we hadn't moved into the superplex with my partners and fucked yep. me over like none of that had happened yet so The reason the fact that they can only offer me a one year contract, I couldn't get out of my lease on a one year deal, it it wouldn't have worked, so I had to turn it down. And then, realistically, it's probably a good thing I did because I don't want to be on the strength and conditioning side of this exactly. You know what I'm saying? I want I need to be in the trench with the hogs in order to get something out of it. You can't hire me to tell them to do push ups, that's not why people come to 6 0 either.
0: I can tell you what I'm saying
1: like hey go over there and do 34 push-ups any fucking buddy can do that <laughs> but i need to be in i need to be in the mud with the hogs doing the work or nothing gets i can't i can't do my job if i don't have that ability now one thing that i, I guarantee you is an is a issue is i'm very outspoken and i've been the boss for 13 years so i'm gonna have to figure out a way to counter that and tone it down because I've got to go back to soldier role, but I'm real good at that shit. Like, it was the number one reason that I fucking stuck around football for so long is because I'm about as good a soldier as you can get. You made I someone of a soldier. Exactly. I never had any coach or player that I ever played with or played for say that I was anything but a fucking, like, 5 a.m. to 9 o'clock at night, six days a week, ass-kicking motherfucker out there that loves the game. And I take great pride in that, Henry. And I, that's, I'm thats i not the best at this by any means. I'm learning as much as everybody else is every day. I take great pride in knowing all these coaches and trying so hard to learn from the Mike Elstons of the world, the beeline coach at Notre Dame, to Coach Bill Bruderbaugh, who's going to SC today from Oklahoma. I'm always, you know, Coach Justice at Miami. every I'm always trying to learn something new from every one of them when I meet them. Coach Cap is coming in to recruit tomorrow night. We've got a two-hour meeting where we're just sitting out talking about skiing. So I, I I think that all the different stuff that I've been through, and the multiple meeting rooms and Bill Callahan development and playing both ways, then the track record of development like that's really the kicker here for me is if I'm taking if I'm taking a bird's eye view of this, every guy that walks in and stays committed to me high school to college college to the pros first contract to second contract it is undeniable that my dash of madness is one of the main contributors to their success and that that is what is missing in boulder right now bro
0: i totally agree and honestly it's missing specifically on the offensive side of the ball yes specifically and the,
1: the fire the passion the intensity is all on defense agreed offense offense is simply just a bunch of really young frustrated football players that want to be good you know like, like we talk about jake Wiley all the time you know i love jake He's one of my guys where's my old number he had a, he, he was he was not good this year at left tackle got he's also starting line, as yeah. a freshman you know what i'm saying like but you can't do on the offensive line not good how often does it work for a freshman oh it's it's so hard it's like starting as a freshman at left tackle in a major conference (laughs) in major conference college football is like here's here you go to the wolves on top of the fact that he literally had no coaching for half the year so he was out there just fucking like winging it and like calling me on Wednesday nights like what do I do here and I'm like okay this is not the way <laughs> game planning is supposed to go big guy just to tell him that. but like the like I don't think people really understand the coach Saban said this the other day when he was doing his radio show and somebody asked him about winning and losing and he brought up the fact that like nobody's even satisfied when they win by 10 like if they did win by 40 it's not enough and he, was, he brought up the fact that nobody wants to win more than the guys on the field. And I know that about Jake and Casey and all those cats is the amount of work that they want to put in and how eager they are to learn. Just teach them correctly. How are you not going to be successful with a 6'8", 300-pound freak that can run and is super long? And, like, the thing that I love about Jake so much is he takes all the criticism and you never hear anything negative. He never posts anything negative. He's got the thickest skin in the fucking world. He's always smiling. He's the first one to celebrate his guys after they score. Like he's the first one to take accountability when he fucks up. And that that shows me a fucking really like really hardcore kid with spine that could develop into an absolute monster. But what happens is if you If you go to practice and you go to work every day, I'll use, look, I'll use this analogy. It's like going to work every day as a, as a husband and coming home and never, ever, ever getting anything nice said to you ever, like walking in the house and and you made 50 grand that day and you killed it. And you walk in the house and all you get is why didn't this get done? Why didn't that get done? If you're a player and you are constantly in practice working your ass off and trying to get better and putting in the sweat equity and the guy who's supposed to there be there with the keys to the castle, like, Hey, if you do these things I'm asking you to do, you'll learn all the tricks you need to learn to go play pro ball and be better. So you're not getting your ass beat. And you never get that side. Eventually the player is going to shut down. He's going to like, fuck this. They're not even involved in my development. What, like, what am I supposed to do? I didn't see that this year at all. Now, I think I saw it before they fired Mitch at Cal. I think Cal was like that point on the field where it was USC and then Cal, right?
0: Was that right?
1: I it think was it went USC-Cal, Arizona
0: State right? up there. Arizona State was the opener. It was. And then it, it was then USC. Or did it go
1: USC-Arizona-Cal?
0: Can't remember, but but it was right there. It was right there.
1: But like the frustration that I felt from them at Sc and then the frustration and like the lack of giving a shit that I saw at Cal, that's what I'm talking about. That's not necessarily on an 18-year-old kid that's trying to figure it out. That's on the 50-year-old coach that's being paid a fucking ton of money to teach them how to do this correctly.
0: Still needed to pick up the five hundred dollars for all his gear on his way out of town.
1: That is the bro just and that gear is like nice dog like it is it's beautiful like nike gear and shit And like that's just the lowest that's like pond scum low shit dude it
0: is terrible
1: henry it's
0: terrible
1: like selling used underwear bro (laughs) disgusting (laughs) dog (laughs) god imagine how worn out the pants are in those pants we don't like, need. Can, masks, why would you ever <laughs> want to wear his pants?
0: <laughs> who, <laughs> who?
1: Oh. Do you I watch Curb Your Enthusiasm?
0: Oh, I do. I love
1: it. Did you watch last night's yet? No, I
0: didn't realize it was oh. even back.
1: Oh, you haven't seen this season yet? No. Holy shit, bro! Last night's episode had me on the fucking floor laughing. My and it it plays into this conversation, so okay. Okay. you'll have to watch. I can't get.
0: So <laughs> uh, how, how, just to wrap all this stuff up, how do you fix the team? Like, like just big picture, like what, what do you do over the course of these next, whatever, eight months, nine months, 10 months, so that you go out there and say, this is a team that is going to a bowl game. They are going to compete for a PAC 12 championship. Like, is it, is, is it turning over 20% of the roster in the portal? Yeah. Is it like, I, I don't even know. I don't even know.
1: All right, so I'm going to go with four things off the top of my yeah. head. Because I didn't know you were going to ask this question, and I'm glad you did. <laughs> One, um, dream hires. I steal Justin Fry from UCLA.
0: Okay,
1: who's their yeah. offensive co-offensive coordinator and the offensive line coach at UCLA? I love. I love. He's a young guy. He's a future future head coach somewhere. He's got his shit together. He really does a great job recruiting. He develops the shit out of his guys. And I think you bring him here strictly as the offensive, as the offensive coordinator. He doesn't need to do the offensive line. <laughs> and then you go, if you're not going to, if I don't get the job, which I, I hope I get an interview and everything's great and all that shit, I think you go right, you know, old stomping grounds and you hire Chris Cooper.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah,
1: you hire Chris Cooper. At down at the Denver Broncos, you bring him in because Coop's te- – I mean, look at what Coop has done with the backups at, at the Broncos, and he's learning from Munchak, and I played with Chris. I played against Chris. Like, I trained with him. That man is as smart as anybody I know, and he can motivate he, – dude, he is the real fucking deal. And he's going either going to be an offensive line coach at the NFL or, you know, that there's a guy down the street that I think would be a really, really good fit um, so I would go with Fry and Cooper there. That, that's number 1. Okay. The rest of the positions they could fill as they need to fill them. Wide receiver coach, things of that nature, we'll figure that out. Um, 2. They need to have a come to Jesus off season.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like they, the kind of off season where there's no phones allowed, there's no social media allowed. We're not recording this this morning. Fuck off with all that. Lock the doors. This is just coaches and players and the training staff we're not we're not allowing people in today like i don't really care if the media doesn't like it like winter conditioning isn't at four in the afternoon there's not five different groups you can come to That shuts at five in the fucking morning and we've got 20 of them and we're going to figure out who really wants to be here we're going to figure out who's really going to sacrifice physically from a nutrition standpoint we're going to figure out who's really studying we're gonna figure out who's really a leader because we're gonna have multiple different teams that are separated by a draft and a point system. And the last day of workouts, the first two teams don't need to work out. There's your win. I and like we're gonna push, we're gonna push people at the end of each workout with with perfect 12s and the pack 12 at 40 yards. And we're gonna hold you accountable to finish every goddamn rep.
0: I like it because I think that they need to have at least ten guys transfer out just to open up. I, and there's
1: that's my next point: is so push three, three. By the time winter conditioning's over and you're moving into spring ball, you will know who on your team actually has testicles enough to push the other guys. Mm-hmm. By the end of spring ball, when it needs to be open competition at every position, no one has a job. Mm-hmm. Nobody. Carson Wells and Nate are gone. Lang is coming back. Mustafa's gone. Everybody that can't come back on defense needs to come back. They're not good enough to go to the NFL. Everybody that can't come back on offense needs to come back. They're not good enough to go to the NFL. Brendan Rice is a great talent. He's a terrible wide receiver. He needs to come back and get better and get tougher and, and go to the NFL that way. Mm-hmm. And that's just my opinion. I
0: can't argue. So, I think that's probably a great way to say it. I hadn't thought that. He makes plays, but but you haven't seen him like –
1: well, and it takes a lot getting against. the ball too, but he's not a route runner. Sure, so he's not a technician. He's just a oh, big we'll ass it. body that can dig.
0: <laughs> yeah. So he's
1: got a lot of work to do. By the end of spring ball, you'll know the 10, 12 guys you need to get out of the program. And you don't beat around the bush with them. You say, you can stay here, but you will not play. <laughs> so you can either transfer or you can sit the bench and just be a tackling dummy. And if they just want to sit the bench and be a tackling dummy, then be the best tackling dummy we got. But if not, you want to go play somewhere else, at least I'm being honest with you. Yep. And the NIL and the business part of, of college football has allowed coaches to be cutthroat in this regard and do it correctly. So, and then on top of that, like 3B, because it's kind of a two-part thing, is go purge the transfer portal, period. Like the, the four-star uh, Clemson quarterback that just entered the transfer portal. I can't remember his name. Go, go knock on his door. Every, every swinging dick out there that looks like they can play from another college at least gets a phone call and, and an email like, hey, have you thought about coming to see you? We'd love to get you tape and evaluate. You got it, got to got it, got it, got Yeah. I mean, it, is it unethical to go try and purge other people's players? You can't do that, right?
0: I don't think you're allowed to. They, have
1: to. they have to enter the transfer portal in order to talk to them, correct?
0: Yep. I think, okay. uh, I think Carl is very worried that, that a lot of other teams are doing that, though. They They are are doing doing it. Exactly. Exactly.
1: I've had multiple coaches ask me, how many guys do you know that want to transfer? I've had five or six players in the last two weeks text me like, Hey, can you help me transfer? So he, yeah, it's happening. (laughs) What the fuck are we talking about? And then number four, the, the region, what's Dickhead's name? Uh,
0: So many options right now.
1: Uh, God, the guy that put up the, the uh, Roger P- Pickell Jr. tweet oh, about oh, yeah. Okay. Oh. Who said that then he's going to sit down and reevaluate the spending. All right. So look, bro. <clears throat> I'm just going to say this. The University of Colorado is a much more attractive place when the football team is good. You're in Mission Skyrocket. You're on national TV all the time. You're seeing, you're seeing eyes at your university. The, the splendor and, you know, the beauty of the campus is always on display. And then you can actually talk about how good your academic programs are, which they are. They're top notch. No one's sitting here talking about they're not that way. You can have both, bro. We can do both. One hand can wash the other. It doesn't need to be the nerds against the jocks all the fucking time with you guys. <laughs> At some it point, it does seem like it's always the nerds starting. It's always play. the fucking same. And like we, the jocks are over here, like, we're not the fucking problem. We want y'all, smart guys around. We're trying to help. Yeah, it, it, it's so, he, so stupid. All of that it's is so ridiculous. Stupid. How can he say shit like it's not your money? The taxpayer dollars, bro, taxpayer dollars are not going anywhere close to Chevrolet's motherfucking contract. What are you talking about? What? And this, this hurt the, the university for so long. Because for 20-some-odd years, because Coach McCartney got like a 10-year deal back in the day, they bitched so much up there that they, the state legislator put a a law in saying you can only have one-year contracts for assistance. And that's why they, how many years did you hear Colorado can't keep their assistance every time they get a good coach, he leaves. Well, that's why. Because they can go get a five-year deal at Texas Tech or some shit. So, there needs to be a really, really, really hard conversation with the administration. And it can't just be these the smug fucking academic people sitting up there looking down on all the meathead athletes. Like, we are the problem. Like, dog, we're not harbored by the mountains, bro. The University of Colorado, the, the pride and tradition of the University of Colorado would not be entrusted to the timid or the fucking week. And that goes for the administration and the student body as well, period. And this is some timid, weak bullshit. And like, it it seems to me like this, this guy probably got his ass kicked by a football player in high school or something. And now he's just angry. He's like, I'm going to take it out. I'm going to make sure that we don't spend any criping money on the football team. At the same time, let's just be real here, Henry. At the same time, the buildings are beautiful. How much money did they just drop on all the fucking suites and the champion center and the goddamn indoor facility and all the different uniforms and the travel and everything else? So they're willing to spend that much money. But so they'll spend 20 million, but they won't spend 30. That's bullshit. <laughs>
0: it's,
1: that's bullshit. It's,
0: it's totally right. And it's awful. Like, I honestly think you just need to get the students involved. Like I think the students really, really, really want good sports teams.
1: I, I know just, they do.
0: Exactly, we saw what happened this year. They all were out there. They walled you out, right? bro. Like, like I, man.
1: I tip my cap to the student section, homie. Like I was, I was fucking impressed. You need those guys outside
0: signs every
1: day. And like they outside came, of they the came in force, too. In sports And and I think that the, as the basketball season goes on, the women are kicking ass. And yeah. the men are per, the men are pretty good. They're going to sell – cores will be bumping. Is it even called cores anymore?
0: Uh, it's a CU Event Center.
1: I, it's not called right. cores
0: anymore. Um, I'm I'm actually not sure. So you know the
1: I'm, I call I'm it cores. Sure, I can't help it.
0: I'm pretty sure it was like a lifetime naming deal that Coors got way back uh, okay. in the day when it first opened, and then everybody else started making a lot of money. And so, so after, like
1: five bucks. <laughs> exactly.
0: So then after after Coors. Had made so much money. CU's went to him and was like, hey, I, you guys get what's going on here. We got to change it. But they just changed it to CU Event Center and haven't actually sold the naming rights yet.
1: All right, so let me ask you something before we get out of here. Okay. The Lincoln-Riley, Oklahoma, the USC. <laughs> give me your thoughts on this before I give you mine, obviously. And then do you think it, it helps the Pac-12 as much as people are saying it does?
0: I think it helps the Pac-12 at the very least because Lincoln Riley is a big name. I think that it's just one more reason to watch one Pac-12 football team. I think that Lincoln Riley's first game at USC, there's going to be a lot of people who want to see it. And if he gets hot at USC, I think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to buy in really quickly. I think he's a good coach. I don't know that he's good enough to start winning national championships at USC. I do think it's a good deal for USC. Not, not that I've seen the numbers, but it seems like, I mean, if you have unlimited money, why not go get him? Um, So I do think that it does work out well for them. And then for the PAC 12, I mean, you're getting those eyeballs. I think for CU, it's probably a good thing for CU too um, because it helps. They're about to go through the media negotiations in what, two years. And I think that 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 levels it up just a little bit more. That's more money in their pocket. You know, if they, succeed then it's even more um plus there's the fact that colorado has never beaten usc before and and if you're not going to beat them without lincoln riley why not give them lincoln riley and and still lose i guess if things were fun of a bitch (laughs) so like
1: this is the this is the difference between arizona and arizona state arizona state will spend anything to win arizona won't spend shit yeah. This is the difference between SC, UCLA, and CU.
0: Yep.
1: SC and UCLA will do anything to win and spend any amount of money they have to, and CU just won't. So, like, CU wouldn't even try and negotiate with Lincoln Riley. They would say the price tag's too high. Oh, yeah. Not understanding that paying that man $9 million a year would bring in $900 million It's or exactly. more. Exactly.
0: And, and you know what? With CU the way that it is, even if they give him eleven million dollars, he still probably turns him down.
1: Give him. 50, I don't think 60, he would. 70. I don't think he would. I think I don't. I don't think that's true at all. I think if I think that if CU, let's say like next year, Dan Lanning, the defensive coordinator, who's my dude at Georgia, okay, who's worked his way through the ranks, he's a young up and coming coach. Let's say next year he stays at Georgia, they win a national title, he goes back. Has another great year. They, you know, go to the Sugar Bowl or some shit because they lose JT Bear or whatever. It's all hypothetical. Mm-hmm. And he wants to go and coach somewhere. And CU's at the top of that list and they're competing with salaries in the SEC. And it's, they offer him eight and a half million bucks to come be the off, the, mm-hmm. the head coach at the University of Colorado. He's taken that eight and a half million over an eight million dollar price tag at Kentucky or Florida. Kentucky,
0: yeah, I I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. I think there's a premium when you just look at the the struggles that Colorado's had. There's, there's a premium you have to pay for a guy like that. It's but we won't
1: we premium. won't make the sacrifice financially though. We just they just bitch about the product. Well, like you have to spend you have to spend money to make money. Like that's the way this works. If you're going to sit there and pinch pennies, people are going to call you cheap. And you can't be cheap in college football and win. You can't do it. I when, when has it worked? Show me a circumstance where somebody was cheap as fuck in college football and it worked.
0: I, uh, like, maybe maybe one of those South Park guys just comes in and says, "You know what? Take a hundred take million dollars. Yeah, hundred million dollars. That's go what it's going to take. Ten years. And if Thank they you. then you bring in Lincoln Riley." And, and who knows, maybe that's enough for the university to realize why it matters so much. It's just, it's ridiculous and it's dumb. And I do think that this is a student level thing. I think that the, the boosters can only push so much. The alumni can only push so much. But if you have students out there with signs every day telling the administrators to invest in sports, and you got to listen to them, right?
1: And if and not, do they stop going, do they do people have to stop going to the games?
0: Uh, I mean, that's always a dangerous game to play. That is always a dangerous game to play because all of a sudden, I mean, what are you doing? You're taking money away from the athletics department, which is the opposite of what you're trying to do. But, but if it works out, then I mean, it's a gamble, right? It's you're making a bet that it'll work. It's tough.
1: I don't, I don't see how not supporting helps, but I also don't see how blindly supporting helps. Mm -hmm. So it's gotta be, we've got to find a way to walk that fine line and, I think that they can figure it out, man. But I'm I'm officially at show me stage. I can't sit here and just talk about like the hypothetical greatness of of CU anymore. So I guess we will see.
0: And the administrators will see what happens if nothing changes and they win two games a year and they wind up in the G five just like Colorado State.
1: Oh, fuck I hate even saying this. it. What kind I, of shit is that? I hate Why even Why would you even it. say that? Because at some point the administrators need to see what happens. No bro, there's no fucking way somebody's gonna drop. When's the last time a team dropped from the power five to the g5? I don't think it's ever when I
0: don't think it's ever happened.
1: When when has that ever happened, dog? It's not happening. CU's not gonna drop their affiliation with the Pac-12. You would have to kill them to go to the Mountain West, bro. You would if they if they dropped the Pac-12 and didn't and weren't in a major conference. I, I, I think I would go up there and start kicking doors down. I'm not kidding, like Ray Donovan style and shit. Like, what? Hey, what the fuck is going on here? We can't just give up. I, I'd rather, I'd much rather be a two win team in the Pac-12 than a ten win team in the fucking Mountain West. Totally, Have fun going undefeated and going to the Liberty Bulldog.
0: <laughs> All right. Let's wrap it up. Appreciate you doing this. We'll chat again soon. Um, Well, I mean, hopefully you'll have uh, an obligation to stay quiet and then not. Yeah, I'll
1: keep posted on what's going on.
0: I'm, I'm curious. I think we're all curious, and I think we're all. I got, I got
1: phone. I got a phone call in the morning, and we'll figure it all out. And I look, I'm, I got fingers crossed that I'll get an opportunity to at least go up there and talk and whatnot. But if I don't, um, it's not the first time I've been disappointed. So I'm a professional and my job is to get my guys, the guys who are believe in my program ready to play and go play college football. And, you know, like on my podcast today, I had Connor Jones who was at Michigan Ohio state this weekend and is committed to Michigan. Feels good. That's what I'm looking for. Like that, that kind of shit right there, that atmosphere, that entire feeling, I miss it bad. So I hope I'm given the opportunity to at least go up there and, and, uh, and talk shop and figure it out. But if I'm not, then I'll continue to support the team and, and try and fill their ranks with really good players from the state of Colorado and, and, and everywhere else. And We'll stand shoulder to shoulder and see what we can see.
0: I like it. Everybody listening, remember, check out the DMVR Unchained podcast, McChesney Unchained. You, What, what, what was the last podcast you did on there? Who's your last guest?
1: Connor Jones was today. And then in the last like 10 guests, we've had Alan Fanica, Chad Brown, Joel Klatt, Lawrence Vickers, Duke Manny, Dreeson fucking uh, the Willie Anderson, Mm -hmm. Kevin Gogan, who's one of the biggest ass kickers in NFL history is my guest next week, played at Washington, Uh, Ryan Jensen. And the list goes on and on and on and on. So.
0: Don't miss that podcast. Make sure you guys tune in. And uh, that's all we got for you guys today. See you soon.